This is Public Hearing, an Auburn City News podcast brought to you by the Auburn Plainsman. I'm your host, Mai Lee, podcast editor for the Plainsman. Today I sat down with Megan McGowan-Crouch, who in February became Auburn City Manager following the retirement of longtime city manager Jim Buston. Crouch, who was originally from California, previously served as the assistant city manager and has been involved in Auburn's local government for 22 years. Let's see what she had to say about her experience. So you're originally from California, correct? Correct. Uh, What sort of interested you in coming to Auburn, going to Auburn University and local government? So I used to, at the time that I was applying for graduate school, I was actually working for a national sorority, Alpha Z Delta, and I had visited our chapter at Auburn University several times prior to applying for graduate school. And I applied to a number of graduate schools coast to coast and opted that uh, when I was admitted to Auburn University, I was admitted to everywhere I applied, but Auburn had the best mix of everything I was looking for at the time. Um, The community planning program was in the College of Architecture, Design and Construction. And that program was based and rooted in design-based items as opposed to just theory, which I had had as an undergrad. And I also like the nature of this This was a really nice college town. I visited about 80 universities in 40 states over two years and realized pretty quickly when I visited Auburn that it was a a great place and a great place to go to graduate school. My undergraduate school is mostly uh, commuter. And so I was looking for a residential campus in a college town specifically for a different environment and Auburn fit the bill. What specifically was it about Auburn compared to all these schools you visited? Well, one of the things is my undergraduate school was in Los Angeles. It's it's California State University, Northridge, but Northridge is just a zip code, <laughs> not like Beverly Hills. That's actually a city, but Northridge is a zip code within the city of Los Angeles, kind of designating its area. And I really enjoyed my undergraduate experience, but I also, college towns are very unique in terms of the university experience they provide from being mostly everybody lives away from their parents. You know, it's it's heavily residential. There's a lot of campus activities, sporting events, and I think even better opportunities for collaboration with students you go to school with because people live here. When you go to a commuter campus, some people live an hour away. It's hard to get together in groups. It's hard to, I mean, this is before Zoom, you know, and, but it was hard to do those things at the time. And I wanted that on-campus experience where everybody was kind of here, we could collaborate, socialize, you know, do things campus had to offer. So I had, ironically, this wasn't about football and basketball, but I, you know, I had applied all over the the Big Ten, the ACC, the the Pac-10, I mean, got admitted from the West Coast all the way through, um, and it came down to between Georgia Tech and Auburn, and I ultimately opted. I just didn't want to go to graduate school in a big city again. And also, at the time, Uh, that summer that I was entering graduate school in the fall, the Olympics were just just finishing in Atlanta. And I had studied at nauseum the 1984 Los Angeles games um, when I was an undergrad in Los Angeles and I didn't want to study the Olympics again. And I didn't figure it'd be a hot topic in Auburn. And also I wanted to live in a city where I, you know, felt you live in a larger city. There's a a little more to be on alert on. Auburn's very safe and comfortable not long commutes, crime is low, all those things are very important to me. So when you were in California, did you ever have any interest in local government there or not local, I guess, because it's 
California, but you know, city planning and things like that. I did my undergraduate degrees in urban studies with an emphasis in city planning. Um, and I come from a rural area in California, the city about the size of Auburn, but it's all flat farmland. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I actually went to my undergraduate school on a music scholarship, knew I wasn't going to be a musician. And I thought I was going to be a pharmacist. And until I hit college chemistry and just decided it wasn't as exciting to me as high school chemistry and therefore I needed to do something else. So I took an urban studies class because I was interested in the city and how things worked and why it's congested and, and social issues about homeless population, things like that, about, you know, California has a serious water problem in terms of delivering drinkable, potable water to its citizens, because a lot of that water in the southern part of the state comes from either out of state or the northern part of the state. So all of those things combined got me interested. And what I did very early on, once I picked that as a major, is I checked with my sorority sisters about, hey, do you know anybody, any of you have a relative that works for a, a city in this region or a fr family friend or whatever, where I could get an internship and figure this out? And one of them had a friend who was an assistant city manager at the city of Burbank, California. And I approached him about interning for free in their planning department, which is what I started doing my sophomore year of college and did that all the way through graduation. So I definitely knew I wanted to be in local government and was working in it as an undergrad. Wow. So you had all this experience, I guess, or interest in it before you joined. That's yeah. exciting. You know, I think that's kind of a contrast because I think reading about um, Jim Buston, mm -hmm. he, uh, in, we wrote a piece about when he retired, him speaking mm -hmm. about how he wasn't planning on really getting that into the city government. So that's- No, uh, he, he was not in mind. That was the plan all along. I mean, I thought initially I'd stay in city planning and that ultimately didn't last long once I finished my graduate degree. And only because I ended up with an opportunity to also do city planning and economic development here. but. Yeah, I am one of those people. I've pretty much been in one spot my whole career, which seems odd. I interned at the city of Burbank. Um, even as I was finishing my undergraduate degree, I kind of had a transitional year and then decided to work for my sorority to see the country and kind of broaden my horizons a little bit. And that's how I landed here. And I definitely don't regret it. So, you know, with your, you've been in this position for a little bit over a month now. Um, What's sort of like a week in the life of your, I guess, the city manager, especially compared to the assistant? A week in the life is interesting because you have charge of the roughly 800 people that work at the city. Uh, you have, you are the only direct liaison for the city council um, between city council and staff because the entire staff works for me and I work for the city council. And then you have citizens and citizens want to go to the top person you know, the top political official is the mayor, the top staff official is me, um, and citizens are what make us go. So there's a lot, a day in the life, um, I think it surprises some people. I directly respond to a number of citizens. Um, I do get a number of emails about from them. I can't always get to them that exact day because sometimes it's complicated, but we have a lot of plans and initiatives going on. And so every day brings something new because you are in charge. And I think what's different from being assistant city manager is the decision is now yours other than city council makes policy in general. Um, when it comes to personnel policies and other things, those are things I deal with. And so it's interesting, but not a lot different only because Jim Buston 
spent a lot of time preparing me to do this. And so he gave me great latitude to learn a lot of things and experience a lot of things before I sat in the chair, which made a much smoother transition. And so in general, how has the first month been for you in regards to goals or just in general, actually? It's been really good. I mean, there's definitely a learning curve with some things and there's new things that I'm learning about every day. Um, and it kind of runs the gamut, but I, it's been smooth in part. I, my economic development background forced me while working for the city most of my career to learn a lot about what our departments do and how they function. And while you can always learn more, I have a good understanding of, of the city, its departments, how they're run what what our goals are, what our plans are. And so I was able to hit the ground running and, and go into those things kind of fairly straightforward. But um, also people will feel you out when you're new in a role. The management team, you know, I, I work with a great bunch of people and uh, they know me and have known me for years. And one of the laughs that we've had along the way is I'm known as a, and I think um, Councilwoman Taylor said this in the interviewing or our hiring process that I'm known as a, jack of all trades and that's our Johnny on the spot is what she used and that's one of the transition things we're using we're all getting used to is I've been in the weeds as we say on many projects and many city initiatives for years and now I have to be at the, the big picture level and not in the details and that's what my staff does and they do it very well but everybody has to get used to me getting out of the details and that's not a bad transition it's just a new transition. Similar to that um, you have been present for city council meetings and weekly for years now. Do you feel that there's been some sort of, I guess, change in how you view them and how you're viewed in them, just aside from your position? No, I mean, the little bit of change is I, I do the talking on behalf of the staff and then, you know, I answer council's questions and then I direct staff members um, to provide more details. I think, you know, the difference is you sit there for years, the council, you know, can see you sitting in the room and they read, you know, one of the funny things too, Zoom's a little harder. Um, we all have a panelist view. So internally we can see everybody, but I, I find what's interesting and the city council told me over the years, they read our staff faces very well when something is going on because you can tell if, if, if something is, staff is concerned or, or doesn't, you know, think the council has the right information, anything like that. So they read us, very well. I think though the, the goal in sitting in those meetings for years is to understand the city council was elected by citizens in their ward or citywide to do a job. And they very much have a job to do and they have a responsibility. All of us have responsibilities to citizens, but theirs is slightly different. And you know, our job is is to deliver services to the citizens of which we do. And the city council sets those priorities about how we're going to do it. But our goal is the same, but our roles are slightly different. Gotcha. Um, so you are the first city female city manager in Auburn, you know, in history, which is kind of a huge thing. What does that mean to you? I think, you know, it, it means it means a lot to me, but people that know me know that I I just believe in hard work and in doing your job and why I'm very, very grateful to be in this role. You know, I, I genuinely believe, I think it is a lot of female leaders do that I'm proud to be here because I earned the right to be here. I earned this opportunity on the city council gave me a wonderful opportunity, but I earned it by hard work and dedication to the organization and taking opportunities as they come and so on. And it's, um, 
you've probably read some things or I've said this, it's one thing that's hard as a woman, especially younger in your career, is if you have a seat at the table in a meeting, then you have a reason for being there, but you don't have to justify why you're at the table. And that's a very hard thing to learn when you're younger is you want to impart your great knowledge to people, but sometimes you've got to sit there and absorb what's going on. And so, you know, that's been a challenge in and of itself, but I, I can say that working at this city, which has always been very progressive, or I wouldn't have been here basically my entire career, women have been offered the same opportunities as men since I set foot in the door and prior to me. And so it's great to work in a culture where that's always been embraced. And Auburn is, as a university community, stays progressive. Um, and that's very much appreciated. And that's one of the reasons why I like being here so much. So um, I, li I like the opportunities and why I'm grateful to be the, the first woman, woman. I tend to look at it as there just wasn't somebody before me that was the right candidate for the job. Did you ever feel sort of this imposter syndrome? That's just coming a personal question because I, mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes I find myself, despite any of my sort of accomplishments, mm -hmm. I do feel a sense of like, I, you, you have to prove yourself much more than some of your other mm -hmm. counterparts, despite, you know, I do agree with you that Auburn is extremely progressive and, you know, there are definitely tons of hardworking, extremely talented people, including yeah. women, but that's mm -hmm. sort of, I guess, comes with being a woman in general. Well, and I think one of those things that's always important is I believe in my career is don't buy into stereotypes. And what I mean is, we can get in difficult situations. It's never let them see you sweat, whether you're male or female, which is things get intense, handle yourself accordingly and professionally at all times. And that will go away. Um, and I think people here in Auburn, the, the university is progressive with, with women, women are in a number of positions and that certainly helps, but it's a, it's a thing where sometimes it becomes hard to talk about because you're, you're proud to be a woman and you want people to understand, and I think when we had International Women's Day this week is, you can do anything you set your mind to. And my, my biggest, you know, kind of takeaway for everybody and recommendation is work hard, be you, take the opportunities, male, female, or indifferent, you will succeed if you're willing to, you know, take those chances and opportunities, but you can't expect them to drop in your lap. Um, and I've told many people this and you hinted at the city council thing. I mean, I was told early in my career, you need to be at every city council meeting. Wasn't in my job description, wasn't a formal requirement, but it was definitely a strong suggestion. I had no clue what, what purpose that served other than, I guess it serves some purpose, I'll just comply. And then you learn that you learn so much more about what's going on, you absorb information, you understand what the council's concerns are, what citizens' concerns are, what the hot button issues are, and you learn a lot by just sitting there and absorbing. Um, and I talk a lot too about, I was early in my career, the city manager would invite me to lunch at Morrison's Cafeteria or Piccadilly, it became later. Have you ever eaten at one of those? I'm not sure, I don't think so. Maybe they're, they're business They're kind of like ones. a cafe cafeteria style buffet. You don't serve yourself, somebody serves you. And I can tell you, um, and people that watch this, if they're Morrison's or Piccadilly fans, I apologize, but that's not my favorite style of food. <laughs> and people would say, why are you going with a bunch of kind of male department heads? I'd be the only female, sometimes the city manager's wife would go, but why do you go to lunch with them? And I said, you know what, they invite me. And when the city manager invites you, you take, take that opportunity. 
And I, you know, I learned a lot. We would ride in the car and go look at projects and he would say, Megan, you need to understand that the little things matter to our citizens. They don't want to see graffiti. They don't want to see litter. They don't want to see weeds, whatever. And these are the things that matter. And, you know, and I learned very strongly that somebody's one interaction with the city may be the only interaction they ever have, but we're here to serve them and we need to make it the best interaction possible, even under difficult circumstances. So just a lot of great things have gone on and that goes back to being given opportunities. I was obviously pegged as someone fairly early that had potential but how much potential remained to be seen. And I, um, of my own accord, took opportunities that were presented to me whether or not I wanted to eat at Morrison's for lunch. You know what I mean? So. So you've mentioned before that you've been involved in the city for a very long time with multiple mm-hmm. positions. Um, yeah. Looking back now, uh, what is it like to look back and think of all the experience you've gained and stuff like that? I think it's invaluable in this role. And in, in, when you're dealing with city managers, city managers nationwide sometimes come and go every three, four years. A lot of times they, jump from city to city to city. And institutional knowledge, you know, is usually a blessing. And sometimes institutional knowledge can also cause people not to to broaden their horizons. Um, But for me, having all of those roles, I've walked a mile in the shoes of interns that are with the city all the way to the CEO position. Um, It's very helpful because I have perspective from all of those levels, but We also have a large majority of our employees are long tenured at the city of Auburn, and that provides consistency in services and management and so on. And that's because we create a good work environment. So one of the things that signals to me is I want to keep our really good employees here and we want to make sure we take good care of them and we're competitive in benefits and salary and so on. And we do those things very well. But um, I think all of that has just been very helpful. But one of the things about having institutional knowledge doesn't mean I use that institutional knowledge to say we should keep doing things the same way. I use it to say, well, we've been there before. We may not have gone down the right path. We might need to change something. And my management team knows this. I really want to know what they think. They need to give me recommendations, tell me what they think. Um, And we're not a top-down organization. We like to be a bottom-up. We're a high-performing organization and we like people at our staff to staff level and people who are, if we're working on new internal initiatives, we put it to a committee of employees in what we call a parallel organization and they tackle the issue and make recommendations back to management for us to address certain things. And that's a very effective way and we wanna keep our employees engaged and empowered to do those things. What is it about city government that you find so appealing? You know, you've been in it for so long. What do you love so much about it? City government, you know, you're right at the the level where you can affect change daily. I think sometimes people talk about, would you work for the federal government? And you do in the federal government help people, you know, depending on what you do. But when you get to things at the local level, political or staff wise, you're interacting daily with people that that you can help or or, uh, implement change to help or or create new things. And so I really enjoy uh, taking good care of the city of Auburn. I, I enjoy the fact that visitors say, wow, this is a beautiful place. Everybody's nice, you know, great amenities and so on. And I very much enjoy um, our level of service being, being that way. And so it's a, I don't know, it's just, just one of those things, I guess. And when you served as the assistant city manager, what was it like to sort of work so directly with 
Jim Buston and how did he sort of prepare you for this role you're in now? I probably drove Jim Buston crazy. Um, and the reason I say that, and I'd say it if Jim were sitting here, Jim is a is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. So that 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 by my nature will make me ask you um, a million and one questions a day. But Jim, you know, in his introverted ways, also in his great experience, um, was very patient with me. But he took a lot of time, and we believe in this, the city of Auburn, to mentor me through. You know, I had this vast experience. I did not have experience being assistant city manager and your exact role and the reality of the things going on and the priority levels um, of how you respond to people, when you respond, what's an emergency, what's not an emergency, all those things are that's with finesse and patience from Jim. Ironically, the first two weeks I was serving in this role well, in the role as assistant city manager. Jim unexpectedly had to be out and I had to run a city council meeting. And, you know, everybody I felt uh, was watching very closely because they knew Jim would retire uh, at some point. And I think our staff and the citizens and city council in general were watching closely. And I knew that meeting was going to be very, very important to how my future would be viewed. Um, and I didn't get to talk to Jim much because it was an emergency that he had to be out for. And, you know, but hallelujah that I had sat in all those council meetings and knew the flow. Um, and I'm very comfortable public speaking and so on. But um, it's our job to make it look easy. But I do intensely prepare for these things, anticipate questions and so on. And my economic development background plays a huge role in that when you're selling the city for a living. Uh, people ask you tough questions on the fly and you have to think on your feet. Um, give the appropriate answer or tell them you don't know, but you'll get back to them. And all of that prepared me for this. But Jim took a lot of time to explain the why with things, um, give me perspective on why he handles things a certain way and so on. And Jim, even though he is retired, I don't call him often, but I've had to call him about a couple of things for background. And Jim's very gracious and happy to do that. Um, and it would be easy for somebody to walk away and say no, but the kind of person that Jim is, He's, he's always willing to help or provide some background if I need him to. Shifting over to city council now, for the past few weeks uh, or years, months, you guys have been discussing um, short, the short-term rental situation. Yes. Um, this has obviously gained a lot of you know attention mm -hmm. from certain residents, yeah. et cetera. Uh, can you sort of give some insight on that and also your role in the legislation and things like that? My role in the legislation, how? Um, um, sort of like, did you recommend some of the regulations or uh, have any effect on that? Um, so these regulations have been going back and forth and, and we've been looking at short-term rentals prior to this council being in office. I mean, some of this started, it's been going on a while, but in 2017 specifically, um, and as has been widely reported, the mayor, upon election in November 2018, set up some task force to deal with things, one of which was short-term rentals. At the time, the city staff already had a draft ordinance based on, you know, just questions we were getting and what have you um, ready. So that got shared with that short-term rental task force. And that, in sharing that, there's a lot of feedback that it was too restrictive. So then um, some modifications were made and then there was feedback that it was too permissive. 
And the task force went on and, and met for a period of time. And eventually it was decided um, just some major overreaching themes came out of the task force, but not, not an ordinance itself saying go to planning commission and, and figure this out. Um, so planning commission looked at it and went back and forth. And I mean, this, this topic is challenging. People are very passionate about it. And I think what's hard for staff is we can make recommendations based on questions given, but at the end of the day, a short-term rental ordinance is a matter of policy and is the sole decision of the city council. What it says and how it functions is up to them. We advise on how can we implement it? Is it lawful? How can we enforce it and, and what have you? So this ordinance, why yes, staff takes a hand in drafting it in terms of the in terms of what's in there and a framework. Ultimately, it's the decision of the council as to all the major or minor things that go in there. A few things that staff's been big on are things like um, inspections. The and we do not recommend that city staff go in and inspect these properties from a fire extinguisher, um, emergency exit, and so on standpoint. Once the city does, we have a liability to all that. We inspect hotels and things regularly, but if there's 150 of these, this is also a lot to inspect on an annual basis, that kind of thing. So those are some recommendations we made, but ultimately if the city council wanted to say, well, even if there's a liability for the city, we're willing to take that on and staff, we appreciate your recommendation, but we're gonna move on and do this anyway. Well, then that's up to the city council. We just advise. Right. Um, so whether there's homestays citywide or there's homestays in certain zones, that's certainly up to the city council. Um, and staff doesn't have an opinion about it other than um, we don't have an existing ordinance today and that's very confusing for people um, extremely confusing. And you may have walked, watched our work session in early February about it, but we're only left to enforce the rules we have on the books right now. And, and it's not legal to do a short-term rental right now, but it's really not illegal. So it falls in this deeply gray area. And so it's a challenge and it's very challenging for the city council and our community in general. And I can't tell you that as we research this nationwide, I've been to conferences about it, all kinds of things that anybody says it's been easy to deal with because it hasn't. Of course, yeah. It hasn't at all. And so the city council will review an amended ordinance, um, which is actually basically considered a new ordinance at this stage, uh, this coming Tuesday, um, you know, and we'll see where they go with it. Yeah. Um, all right, so shifting from that, mm -hmm. uh, we're also president of the EDAA. Mm -hmm. uh, can you give me some insight on that and, you know, what that consists of, what that is? Oh, that's a, the Economic Development Association of Alabama is a statewide economic development agency, and it's made up of economic development professionals um, throughout the state, you know, some mayors and, you know, other kind of industrial development board type members from a variety of communities or economic development corporations, and then a variety of consultants who um, support that industry. And this group advocates for economic development legislation in the state, um, you know, workforce development incentives and things, but it also advocates for programs um, to help facilitate industrial development. And, and you may not know the story of Mercedes-Benz. Alabama had long been um, manufacturing, but was getting ready to make a transition and really locating Mercedes-Benz to Alabama, I think it was the middle 90s, was transformative for our state in terms of us becoming a leader 
in automotive manufacturing, among many other things. Um, you know, we have an Airbus plant down in Mobile. We have Boeing up in Huntsville. And Alabama's reputation um, began to change tremendously. And Alabama, really, for a state of four and a half million people, is a manufacturing leader um, in many ways, like a lot of southeastern states. So it's been really good. But on the Economic Development Association of Alabama, we have, you know, we have professional conferences and things. Like I said, we deal with some legislation, and we also deal with, um, you know. We were a conduit for information. There's an executive director and, and he represents the association at a lot of things. And we also help provide information to communities that need it. And then and we match partners together. So sometimes somebody will call me and say, I don't know how to handle this situation. And I'll say, well, somebody in this community in another part of the state, I know they've dealt with this. They did a great job with it. You put them together. So it's it's all of those things. And so I'm, you know, I'm proud to lead lead a group of this size. Auburn um, has not been heavily involved in the executive committee of this organization. We've always been a big supporter of the organization. Um, and I'm, it, it was time and I've been on the executive committee and, and board for a while. I will tell you throughout the city ranks, we have a number of department heads that have been the president of their professional organization in the state, a large number. And most everybody's engaged somehow in leadership roles. Um, Auburn is pointed to by a number of other jurisdictions in, in this state and out of this state as a model for a lot of the ways in which we operate. And so we do a lot of time or spend a lot of time consulting and collaborating with other communities. And that's very normal in government work to do that. How do you have time for all these things? <laughs> that is well, the, other, the other thing is I'm, I'm on the national board of my sorority of Alpha Z Delta and it's National Housing Corporation. So in all my spare time, I, I do that as well. Um, I'm very passionate about Greek life. Uh, that's exactly why I'm in Auburn. If you want to boil it down, um, if I wasn't a member of Alpha Z Delta, I never would have visited here. And, and I was a longtime chapter advisor at Auburn University and retired I call it retired from that some time ago, uh, more because I wanted to get more involved nationally, but uh, it's had a big influence and I enjoy being on a national board because I see things in college towns nationwide with my national sorority experience and it gives me a perspective of what other things are going on and I feel that I'm very helpful to the board because I live in a college town. Uh, and you would laugh, college students stay the same age and people like me, we get older. You know, I mean, we always have a group of 18 to 22 year old or so undergrads and a group of graduate students, they all stay the same age and you get older. So, yeah. but I think you're much more adaptable um, to university students and understand them a lot better when you spend time around them in a town like this. I think that's very helpful and I very much enjoy that. And I want to be clear, a lot of times people say things about students. Students are what make us go. It's the lifeblood of this community. Um, and we wouldn't be the community we are without students and students are citizens just like anybody else. And I'm, I'm very big on that. Yes, people are invested here in different ways, but for students, they're invested here and in where they're getting their degree. And they'll come back for most of the rest of their lives for football or other activities and so on. And, and it's important to me that students understand that I feel that they're a citizen just the same as anyone else. They're living here while they're in college and that makes you a citizen even if your mailing address, permanent address is in Hoover or wherever, you're a citizen of Auburn and, and students are appreciated and important to us and our economy. 
So what's, so finally kind of what has been overall your favorite part of just being within Auburn and like the government? Ooh, my favorite part. Hmm. I don't know. I would say lately, and, and I'll tell you why lately, you know, we played a heavy role and you probably read about this and we may have talked to you directly about it. We played a heavy role with East Alabama Medical Center and the city of Opelika and the vaccine clinic that is in Auburn and East Alabama Medical Center challenged us a few months ago. We need to get a clinic up and operational in five days or so. Can you make it happen? And we said, yes. And lately my favorite, favorite thing has been the joy in people's faces at, at the clinic. Some of them are even from out of the region um, and the hope that they have. And if you spend time there, it's a very empowering experience and it's multiple communities in the hospital and volunteers from all over pulling together to, to try to help people, you know, be healthy and get some semblance of normalcy back in their lives. And it's, you see people from all walks of lives and I've never seen people so grateful to get a shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're excited about it. So I, en I enjoy at my core, I enjoy helping people. If, if you're going to be in government and public service, you, you better enjoy that. And you, you better be in it because your heart's in it. This, you know, um, I know we're the government and sometimes people feel like, Oh, you're just throwing up roadblocks doing what I'm doing. I, I enjoy finding ways to help people despite the rules. It's not how, how can't we do this? It's how can we do this? And I enjoy that very much. And so it's the human kindness or human touch side that's most important to me. Is there anything else you want to say to sort of the citizens, to people, anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, if, if they've got a concern, you know, please contact us. Um, you can always get to me directly. I would say, my goal is you can come to me. Sometimes people want to go to the top, but if you go to our departments, um, they will respond the fastest. And we do have a something we call a fix it app. Um, if you subscribe to that, that goes right into our system and actually distributes work requests. If you say, oh, um, I need some bushes cut back on the sidewalk in front of my house because um, it's blocking my driveway view or whatever. Any of that, we can come and take care of most quickly through that or, or calling it in. But we're here to help um, and we want to help you and you're not bothering us. Please contact us so we can help you with, with any issues you may have. Or if you have questions, you don't have to wait till a city council meeting or planning commission meeting or whatever. That's what staff's job is, is to answer questions specifically for our citizens or come and meet with us and we can walk you through everything. The other thing is, is you have the right and citizens have the right to call us out on, I call it talk technical. Um, sometimes we speak in technical terms that um, citizens don't follow very easily because it's specific to a field. And so I ask everybody to speak citizen and speak citizen means just plainly, you know, speak without acronyms and so on and try to explain what's going on and think of yourself as somebody who has no knowledge about this and try to explain it to somebody else. And so we want to do that and we want to be helpful. So if you're not following us or whatever, let us know and we'll, we'll try to, to make it clear what we're trying to do or how we're trying to do it. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Public Hearing. I'm Miley, signing off. See you next week.